Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Hello, and welcome to Operation Silver Screen. This cinema-related operation has been created to clear our desks from stacks of open cases. And what are these cases? Well, even being the film lovers that we are, Bryant and I still have a huge backlog of must-see films that we still need to experience. So each week we'll tackle a film that either one of us, or both of us, still need to see. We'll then provide a debrief of our week's mission, giving our outlook on the film's popularity and significance, as well as providing our opinion on whether or not it is worth seeing and other fun insights. So Brian, what was our mission this week? Yes, so I should probably say that if you guys already seen the title of this, you know that we are not doing Black Christmas. Apologize for the switch up, something I uh, didn't notice earlier until already diving deep into the Michael Myers franchise Halloween. It seemed a bit redundant to go ahead and do Black Christmas. Black Christmas inspired Halloween. It's also one of the original slashers. We talked about slashers in Halloween a lot, and we talked about slashers even during Hellraiser. So we want to go ahead and kind of give you a little bit of variation in both discussion and movies. Now, this movie, okay, Caitlin, you know, the audience may not know that I have traveled extensively. I also lived abroad. I'm not sure if you knew that. And I got to say, Americans get a lot of flack when they travel. When they travel and when they live overseas, they get a lot of flack for being a little bit too aggressive and definitely obnoxious. And at least... As far as I know, we never turn into werewolves, though. No, we we I at least don't got think that. So. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if the bar is up there, Typically. I mean, we're still doing pretty well. However, for today's assignment, we will be looking into that scenario as we debrief an American werewolf in London. Now, you guys also know that I really wanted to do this movie, and we canceled it for Hellraiser. Now, again, that's not why we're switching out with Black Christmases, because I wanted to. Again, variation of topics. Now, this is a movie that I've seen. I've seen this movie quite a few times. Actually, I forget when I saw this movie the first time. It's one of my mother's favorite movies, so it's a movie that she introduced me to, and then I also introduced it to a to a couple other individuals. Now, Caitlin, you have never seen this movie before. Was it at least on your radar? Um, I've watched the beginning of it before. So I had started it, and then when I had started it, I just, at some point, I realized I was not in the mood for this type of film, and I just kind of turned it off. Um, So it's definitely been on my radar to watch. I know it's a pretty significant werewolf film, and it's something that I was always interested in watching. I do get it confused with American Werewolf in Paris, which is the sequel. But no, there really isn't any reason why I was avoiding it other than just when I had tried. It just wasn't really the right time. I just wasn't really feeling it. But I only watched the beginning. You said this is a significant werewolf movie. It really is. Uh, if you look at it in the critical sense, this has a 7, 7.5 on IMDb. It has an 89% critics rating with an 85% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie, being a horror movie, actually won an Oscar, which is pretty rare for horror movies. And this was actually the first Oscar in its kind. This was the first year that they brought Best Makeup to the Oscars, and this won for that category, giving the credit to Rick Baker, of course. Now, this is not just a significant werewolf movie. This is by far considered like the best of the werewolf movies. Werewolves are definitely cool, at least I think so. I love werewolves. It's my favorite horror monster, but there's not many great werewolf movies. Uh, Honestly, I have like a top four or five, and it's pretty much because those are the only four or five good werewolf movies. 
You'll have to save that for our Instagram. Maybe you can post a list for that. Yeah, but it's probably, again, it's going to be the list that everybody knows. Like, there's no, every, every person who likes werewolf movies, they're going to have the same list, I think. And this also is in the top 200 Rotten Tomato horror movies. And it is in the top 1,001 movies to watch before you die. Caitlin, is there anything else that you found in your research? I saw at its release, it had a bit of a mixed critical reception, with some praising it for its combination of horror and comedy, and a few negative reviews that stated it felt unfinished and inconsistent. But it did do well at the box office. It grossed $30 million at the U.S. box office and $62 million worldwide, and it only had a budget of five point eight. so that was a pretty significant difference there was a success in that way on top of that oscar award it also won a couple saturn awards for best horror film best makeup and it was also nominated for best actress and best writing as well all right so let's go ahead and talk about this movie then and to let you guys know as always we're not going to open up the classified folder until you know we get through the the non-spoiler portion so don't worry all we're going to be talking about is spoiler free when we get to that portion, I'll go ahead and give you guys a heads up. Now, this movie, the title gives you pretty much the summary of this movie. It's mm-hmm. about an American werewolf in London. Granted, he wasn't always an American werewolf. He was just, believe it or not, an American. Him and his friend decide to go backpacking in Europe. And during the time, you know, we, we have a lot of, there, there are a lot of fears when backpacking in countries. Werewolf is kind of, I mean, it's on the list. I'm not ruling out the possibility, but it's not the one I'm most concerned about when I go traveling. Mm-hmm. However, hey, it's something that these guys have to worry about after they get attacked by a werewolf, and one of them survives and starts to become an actual werewolf. So, Caitlin, you being the new one to this movie, what did you think? So, just a question before we get in. So, you've been to London, right? Yes, I have. So you didn't walk into any bars with pentagrams on the ceiling? That was outside of London. Okay. That that They were out, at least they were like on the country outskirts. I didn't go out into the country. I went to London uh, okay. and then Birmingham. Well, well, good, because if you did, we don't, we're not sure what would have happened to you. <laughs> yeah. And I always stuck to the roads, no matter where I went, even in the city. Oh, I stuck goodness. to the roads. <laughs> yeah, this film opens up with kind of a moody atmosphere, a lot of fog. It has that kind of horror feel to it. And so I, I think that there are elements of this film that I really liked. There were elements of this film that had me laughing. But altogether, I feel like I kind of understand why it was called inconsistent and a bit unfinished. Because I feel like there was something for me that was missing for the film. I enjoyed it, but it also wasn't a film that was entirely memorable to me other than a few sequences. That's actually what I predicted you to say. Honestly, like word from word, that's how I thought you would feel about this. And it's not a bad thing because I honestly agree with you. This film doesn't really feel complete. Like there seems to be a couple ideas in here and they're there and they, they get some screen time, but they don't go forward. And I think this movie, like it makes a couple of themes and a couple of messages, but they don't go full out with it. And also, I think this ends a bit abruptly. Or it, it finishes quick. And I don't just mean from like the ending scene to the to the the credit song, which is very jarring. Mm-hmm. The, the first Yeah, it does end very quickly. 
it ends quickly in the song. It's uh, I've seen a couple horror movies do this, and they have, they have like this real upbeat song, this real happy song. And it's like, wait, this does not match what we just witnessed. Uh, but but I like it. I like when the our movies do that. It reminds you that hey, you're there mostly for a fun time. Yeah, that's not, true. Not like these elevated horror movies nowadays. They want you to come <laughs> in dreary and leave brooding. That's true. They they do. Some of them are pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, but I still enjoy this film. It sounds like I probably like enjoy it more than you. But yeah, I do have to. I want to say look past because I still feel them even watching this for. I believe this is my fourth time watching this movie. Like, they're definitely there, and it's things that I wish I could have seen more of, but I, I still really enjoy this movie. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad I didn't see who directed it beforehand. Um, it is directed by John Landis, who did The Blues Brothers, which I, I don't think I've seen in its entirety, and he also did Animal House, aka Sexual Harassment, the movie which honestly, this kind of has elements of that too in it that kind of made me uncomfortable. But yeah, I, I'm not... I think the direction towards horror comedy was done well in this, even though I don't know that I fully was sure at times what was comedy and what was not. That's the kind of a hard thing about judging this in retrospect. It is an older movie and sometimes older horror elements are funny but I don't always know that it was intentional so knowing that a lot of this was intentional I think gave me a little bit better perspective on it and I actually I meant to text you before you watch this movie that to remind you hey this is a comedy so you, you know not to lower your expectations or to you know get you prepared for something but just know like if there's moments that you should be laughing at that you're probably you should be laughing at them it's mm -hmm. not like my issue with Forrest Gump when I went into it, I'm like, I don't know if I should be laughing at some of this or not. <laughs> yeah. I think one particular scene, I was like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be funny. But there were some other ones that I was like, I'm not really sure. Is this the horror part or is this the comedy part? <laughs> it, it does get a little muddled at some points. But I think mostly it, it is a it is a horror. It, it's a comedy more than anything, first and foremost. Gotcha. What about the now? What about the horror portion? Did that work for you? You know, you said that it starts up much like a horror movie. You have the fog, you have the the moonlight. I think that the transformation. I don't think that's spoilers, is it? If I talk about the transformation no. scene, okay. I think that the werewolf transformation sequence is where it was the most horror to me. Um, and that scene, I think, is probably the most iconic part in the film, to be honest. Um, but that's where I felt really the horror. It kind of had that sort of body horror to it. I mean, it was body horror, I guess, not sort of. It was definitely body horror. <laughs> so that's where I felt it the most. And then other than that, I don't know that I was really fully feeling it elsewhere. So yeah, definitely the transformation is terrifying. Though I would say another good horror element... And something that I like about this movie as a werewolf movie is the um, are the ones that the werewolf has has killed. So he sees his friend in not even in a vision. His friend is like in a purgatory and he's able to see him and he's, you know, he's starting to decompose. I thought that was it's nothing that like like scares you right out. But I think it kind of brings another bit of spooky atmosphere to it. Know if it worked for me as a horror element because his friend was very comedic with his performance in that 
in those sections. But at the same time, I thought it was an interesting point that it brought to the film, especially since it's something that I really haven't seen in another werewolf film, this idea of like the past kills coming back to haunt. Yeah, it's definitely something original to this movie. And I think with a lot of werewolf movies, at least if you're dealing with the ones where somebody is transforming, kind of any transformation movie, uh, vampires have the the same thing as well. Uh, I think this is now where our audience starts to fight of who's better, vampires or werewolves, <laughs> which is definitely werewolves. Uh, when it comes to transformation, it's, it's a very behavioral thing. You see that they can't control their urges even before they get to that transformation moment, that breaking point, they're already starting to do odd things. They're starting to become more animal-like. Here, you get like a, a little bit of, there's there's another dog that barks at him and a cat that hisses. But other than that, it's mostly mental. Mostly mentally, he's starting to spiral. Both with his, seeing his dead friend, and then also with his with his nightmares and odd dreams. I like that, and I think that's something that I wish the movie looked more into. I think that it could have made a cool message about survivor's guilt, uh, but I don't think the movie like went full out to explore that. Yeah, that's true. I would have liked to see that, especially with the survivor's guilt. I think that would have added an extra element to the film. Yeah, I think you can look at it, and you can you can still see it, but it's not fully explored because they do because basically what he's being convinced to do is that he has to kill himself. Or, or somehow die to free the souls that he has he has taken in, in this movie. That's the way the werewolf lineage works. Whoever dies underneath the werewolf, they don't get released until that werewolf actually dies. So he's being kind of pushed into suicide, which is, is related to survivor's guilt. But again, the movie doesn't doesn't go too far with that. I did like that this werewolf iteration was more wolf-like rather than like a humanoid with hair. I actually had a question uh for you about that i was going to do a little bit at the end of our discussion but we can go ahead and talk about it now do you like bipedal or four-legged werewolves more uh i think i like four-legged okay i'm actually i'm bipedal really yeah i think the bipedal werewolves look yeah just i think they look more because to me that seems more like a werewolf and it, it seems more like a cross for me the the four-legged werewolf just seems like a giant wolf uh, especially in the movies uh, Twilight. I've only seen the first one, but I've seen clips of the werewolves in that movie. I'm just like, that's just a, that's just a giant wolf. That's not a real werewolf. And then you have Prisoner of Azkaban, where I think that one is more human than werewolf. But I like the I like the bipedal. Like I know it's not a good movie, but Van Helsing, uh, the underworld underworld series, I believe they're bipedal, and the most recent movie, the, one of the movies that uh, is kind of, well, it's not a movie, it's a TV special, and it kind of makes this movie relevant, is A Werewolf by Night. And A Werewolf by Night is also bipedal. And I think it's because bipedal, it works better in an action sense, too. Like, a werewolf can only attack in so many ways when it's just a wolf. Like, it just jumps on you and goes for the juggler. Uh, the best movie with that, where you can see the action of the bipedal werewolves, and maybe, you know, you may have a different opinion after you see this movie, uh, is a movie called Dog Soldiers, and that is a fantastic werewolf movie. It's not, I would say, like, it's a must-see in some specs and some niches. Unfortunately, I don't think it's, like, a must-see that we need to do an episode on, but it's a movie I recommend everybody and you, Caitlin, to watch. 
I think when you say bipedal, my first thought goes to like the teen wolf werewolf. And I think that's my problem. Okay, now that's a little too human. So like yeah. bring it back just a little bit, like right in that middle. Like a wolf standing up. Yeah, be, no, being bipedal, you know. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll accept that. That I can understand. The wolf, I like it because it's more creature. I think it's just I generally like a werewolf that is a little bit more wolf than human. Whereas, like, the teen wolf, the wolf man are, like, very humanoid. That's yeah, what I'm, I don't really like. I'm right in the middle. Right in the middle. I don't like the, I don't like, you know, you either get, like, a full wolf or you get a hairy person. I like the, I like to bring yeah. them together. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I can accept that. And I looked up the Van Helsing werewolf and that did look nice. I'm telling you, you gotta watch Dog Soldiers. <laughs> Dog Soldiers, okay. It's, uh, so good. I'll put it on my watch list. Yeah, that means I'll never watch it. That's cool. <laughs> now the effects we definitely you know, we talked about the the look of the werewolf we talked about the transformation scene the transformation scene is is iconic that's what this movie is really known for that's kind of the first like in real time good look at a werewolf transforming on screen and i think that that looks it looks fantastic and you said that you look you thought it looked good as well right mm-hmm. yeah and definitely worked in a body horror sense because it definitely. looks painful like one, it starts erupt. Like he just gets this splitting headache, and I, I think that I think like the whole the setup for it, and of course when it's going on is is great. What did you think about the other effects in the movie, like the like the kills, his friend Jack decomposing? Uh, going back to the transformation, quick, it did remind me of Hemlock Grove, a show that was out a little while ago, and I think there's been some other things that showed the whole transformation process as something that was painful. And I kind of was wondering if that originated from this, but I couldn't see anything. Uh, I'm trying to... This was actually, like, one of the very first werewolf movies, or, like, popular werewolf movies. There, There's, of course, The Wolfman, and I've seen that, but I don't remember if his transformation was painful or not. Mm, okay. That's something I was wondering, but I do like that idea because I think it makes it more like a curse, you know, that whole painful transformation sequence. As far as the other effects in the film, uh, as far as the decaying process of Jack, I think it worked in some parts better than others. I think in some scenes it was just right, especially like the early scenes when he's dead. But then as it moves on and he's more decayed, it came more of like a humorous kind of look to him. Well, yeah, because his last stage, he's a puppet. And I don't mean like his last stage, he went from decaying to turning into a puppet. I mean, they, they used a puppet. Though that would be amazing if they all just like eventually turn into puppets and he's just getting like horrifying vision. I mean, a horrifying talk from these puppets. But yeah, it does get a little bit comedic there. But I mean, again, it's puppets are always funny. You really don't get like too serious with puppets. Even Meet the Feebles, which I haven't watched, but just looking at it like no matter what situation you put them in, this is humorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, outside of the transformation and the werewolves in this movie, because honestly, the transformation doesn't come until an hour at, in this movie. It's almost near like the the end of the second act or yeah it is actually the end of the second act i would say uh, so there's a, there's a lot more to this movie one thing i liked i like the performances in this movie i think the the relationship between him and the nurse i believe they have chemistry they kind of rush into a relationship but i mean that it does happen now 
Yeah, it's kind of some movie luck that, you know, this beautiful nurse all of a sudden falls in love with you. And, you know, you guys go back to her crib. But I, I bought it. I bought it. And the relationship with his with his friend as well in the beginning, because we don't get too much time with them. I, I like the relationship as well. I think they had, like, for the little bit that we see, it, it does seem that they are friends. Yeah, no, I was watching this and I got some major red flags from that relationship. I get it was a different time and it was supposed to be like this kind of, I don't know fantasy male fantasy there's so much to do with male sexuality in this film which is something else i wanted to talk about but as far as this woman i literally was just like what the hell is wrong with this woman because she's bringing up her patient which that's you know red flag number one but it's a patient that she believes is in the middle of like psychosis like in a psychotic episode mentally unwell and she takes him home just to sleep with him like huge red flag i was like what is wrong with this woman Hey, she works a lot. She doesn't really get to meet people when she's when she does get time off. She just goes ahead and she sleeps. Like, hey, no, yeah, no. Uh, I was like, ah, sexual assault, red flags. <laughs> yeah, that that was my main thing. Is like I could buy this more if he wasn't so unstable. Mm-hmm. Like this is, yeah. it, it, I'm not saying somebody going through a crisis is necessarily dangerous, but it is. You're taking more of a risk here. And she's kind of taking a big risk for somebody that she doesn't know too well. But it seems like also she doesn't even care about him because there's a point like how he's explaining that he's going mad. And she's like, I don't know if I should be worried about you, but right now I'm really attracted to you. Oh, yeah. She was messed up. She was the real villain of this movie to me. No, her. Now, if anybody did some some real sexual assault or some sexual misconduct, it's her coworker nurse. Who said that he must be a um, he must be a Jew because he's he's circumcised and well she oh, says oh yeah she says that yeah no he's a he's a Jew she says well how do you know that and I took a peep at him like what is that is that normal practice why did you have to do that yeah I did not like that <laughs> now that does actually that leads to something else that they had to do behind scenes now they actually. You, you notice there there's a lot of times when the main character, David, name is David in real life as well, uh, he is nude, but they don't do any frontal nudity. And this isn't because he was opposed to it. it. They wrote the character as being Jewish. However, he is uncircumcised. So there would have been a continuity error. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Weird, like the oddest. I'm like, you could have just, I mean, okay. I, mean, I guess you guys are real, real meth. I mean, I guess it would be real method if you went and got circumcised for the part. People at home pause in the movie just to make sure it's legit. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be that one guy that calls it out. <laughs> that one critic. Ah, the movie. Such tales of complexity. However, the directors didn't bother getting their actor circumcised. And I must say, <laughs> pish posh to this. Jeez. I thought there was one shot where we saw. I guess not the whole entire thing. It came close a while, though. Like, oh, why? It was, it was, it was pretty, uh, like they definitely didn't hold back punches with the nudity, except for that, you know. Well, they did, (laughs) they did cut a little bit from this film so that they can stick with the R rating and not go into the X, which I feel like I hear more about that when I look at movies from the 80s and anything like before the 21st century or, well, the 20th century. Uh, it seems like they have more of an issue with that. I don't know if we become more lenient or 
people know where the line is and they don't even get close to it. But they did have to cut some things. The sex scene went on for longer or, or was more explicit, which I think the sex scene in this movie already was kind of like it, it was already enough. I don't know why mm-hmm. we need all of this. Yeah, true. I think and it again, actually like, went a little bit farther with the sex scene than I was expected. And then there was the whole like adult theater element in it too. So yeah, it definitely was uh, a story about male sexuality. And I think, again, as, as a, that's another message I think the movie was kind of trying to point towards that I think would have been cool, which would have been like the sexual impulsivity and the impulsivity of being a werewolf because there's advertisement of that porno theater and some other uh, sexual references hidden throughout the film. Now, the porno theater wasn't actually originally written in the film. It was supposed to be a cartoon theater. However, when they went to London, the cartoon theater had been replaced with a porno theater. So they said, well, guess we're doing this. (laughs) Good coincidence, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like he knew. Like they got there and he's just like, oh, no, it's not a cartoon theater. Oh, well, guys, we tried. Yeah, it definitely has to be that. (laughs) What did, you, what did you think about Jack Goodman and David? What did you think about their relationship? I don't think we really got to see enough of their relationship for me to really feel much for them. I think it just, the Jack, I, I kind of felt like it wasn't really the real Jack when we got to see him as like these ghostly visions. Like I thought that David really was just imagining them and... The way that he acted was so different from how he acted in the beginning that I just didn't really take it as the real him. So in that sense, I couldn't really like base my assumptions on their friendship based on those interactions. Yeah, I I didn't get that too much. I, I saw I, I believe that this was the Jack that we met before. But again, that's something that I, I wish I got a little bit more in this film. Mm hmm. But I think now, now what about David himself? Because he's the the star of this movie. He has pretty much all the screen time. What did you think about his performance? I think performance wise, it was decent. I don't think he's like the best actor ever, but it was a pretty decent performance. But I think he had a really good look to him because he had like this boyish look, like someone who's attractive, but at the same time, you kind of want to punch him in the face. It was kind of this smugness to him that I think actually kind of worked for the character that he was playing. Yeah, and again, it kind of plays into that American arrogance. Yeah, definitely. And maybe I'm just more keen to his performance because he was a he was kind of the face of Dr. Pepper. He was in some Dr. Pepper commercials. Jack Goodman as well. They were pretty much Dr. Pepper brothers. Yeah, actually, I checked out the, the commercial. It's a pretty cool commercial. Uh, you have, have to send that to me. Yeah, but they actually, Dr. Pepper pulled him from the commercials after this movie due to the nudity. Oh, which, interesting. Yeah, which made me a little upset. Like, come on, Dr. Pepper. I didn't know you were all, you know, all stuck up. Dang, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, but I do love some Dr. Pepper. Anyway, um, so did this movie, and you say you were kind of, not really middle road, but you, you liked it, and there were some parts that you didn't like. Were you... Like overall, did you did you come out having a good time with this? Were you a little bit disappointed? Did it not meet your expectations? To be honest, I felt very lukewarm about it. I wasn't really excited and I wasn't really disappointed. It was just like, okay, that was a movie. I watched it and now I'm done. Mm-hmm. 
I'll get that. And you, you, we also said that the ending is a bit abrupt. This last thing I want to talk about. What did you... So everything before the ending, like how the ending built up, what did you think of it? I don't think it really built to that ending very well. It felt kind of abrupt. I felt like, like you said, it really did feel incomplete. Like there was something that was missing, even just a scene or two that I think would have added to that tension and build up. Agreed. And I would also say, I, w- I would at least say that they did at least go all out for their ending. Because they're, honestly, I don't know, what was the cause of death more? Car crashes or the werewolf? <laughs> I'm not sure. Because <laughs> that car crash, I didn't really see it the first time. I don't know if you caught it the first time, but it is a brutal car wreck. Like it is almost yeah. going out of its way just to toss people around. <laughs> and we'll talk about why I think they they went ahead and, and went all out for that scene. I also, I don't think like as far as themes and messaging goes, I think the ending didn't contribute to anything. Yeah. They, they kind of set it up to like, you can only be killed by the one you love because in the Wolfman movie, he was killed by the one he loves. And we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it more in spoilers. Now, this is a very influential movie with some significance as well. What did you find in your research for the influence that it had? Well, I mentioned the werewolf transformation scene, of course, is going to be influential. I already mentioned Hemlock Grove. It's also obviously a milestone in horror comedy. Edgar Wright himself, I cited it's a big influence on his films. He's done a lot of comedy and horror comedy as well. Also, as far as the influence it had, Michael Jackson was actually a fan of this film, and he had John Landis direct... And Rick Baker, too, to direct the makeup effects for his Thriller music video, which we all know. Why why are you pausing? Yeah, I know. Thriller. Because I don't have... No, I was just waiting for you to continue. (laughs) Oh, I I thought you were continuing. I hope you know Thriller. (laughs) Yeah, you just kind of stop. Like, we all know. Right, Bryant? Right? You ever heard of Michael Jackson, maybe? I hope you've heard of it. (laughs) Or were you expecting me to, like, bust out a song with it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm knowing you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a possibility. But again, with most of my singing, I only know, like, the chorus. <laughs> Either the chorus or just the first opening lines. This movie also has a remake plan, so it has influenced that, at least. However, uh, the remake may or may not happen, because it was supposed to be directed by his son, Max Landis. And it's kind of funny you say that there's some sexual misconduct in here portrayed and animal house has a lot of issues which i haven't seen animal house however i know during the times that it was made i wouldn't be surprised if there were some Mm -hmm. but his son actually has some allegations made against him for sexual misconduct not sure if anybody really wants to work with max landis at the moment this also was one of the first horror comedies there weren't many horror comedies before this there were a couple sprinkled here and there Uh, but this was kind of your first modern horror comedy uh even before evil dead 2 which i think when evil dead 2 came out it really like solidified horror comedy as a genre not just like a not just a mix of two genres like it really became its own genre i think at evil dead 2 but this was one of the first horror comedies created and and it's nice to actually see that they i think they did a a pretty good job with it maybe the comedy was a little bit too much and it kind of you don't know at what point you're supposed to laugh, but I think it did have a good amount of laughs and a good amount of, not scares, but you know, horror, horror vibes. 
And this is also a significant movie, not just an influential one. Yeah, you mentioned that our main character is Jewish, and this largely takes on as an allegory for Jewishness. It talks about otherness. It has this whole theme of what he's going through. It has this theme of otherness and the xenophobia, not just against Americans, but specifically against Jewish people. And so this film definitely has a lot to say about that. Yeah, there's also a dream sequence in which Nazi demons come in and uh, just wreak havoc. And it's, it's a massacre. It's also very... This is like... I, I think this is one of the more accurate nightmares in films. Usually mm-hmm. like some nightmares in films, like it's a little too... It's a little too planned. A little too planned. A little too scripted. This is just... Yeah, these are the kind of weird, vivid nightmares I would have. Like just completely I, randomness. You have weird nightmares. <laughs> I... Maybe that's just a you problem. <laughs> that could be. I've I've found out recently that not everybody has the nightmares that I have. Like I said, this is the first Oscar to win for makeup in a horror movie, nonetheless. Actually, Rick Baker went on to win another Oscar for another werewolf movie, The Wolfman 2010, which received a lukewarm response from critics. I never watched it, didn't hear good things, but Rick Baker comes back and reprises the job of creating a werewolf and that one is more cgi is a lot more cgi with transformation but then of course it's just practical makeup while he's out and about as the wolfman now they said there weren't many werewolf movies before this and you asked me about the transformation if it has always been painful now it, it was really what really puts it in perspective of there not being many werewolf movies before this one is that when audience went into the theaters, a lot of the audience members were confused as to why when the first werewolf is killed, you see a, a dead man shot instead of a werewolf. They didn't realize that, oh, a werewolf is actually, it's a man transformed into one. This is also the first film, uh, at this point it would have been 15 years, that there was filming in the Piccadilly Circus. And that's pretty much London's Times Square. And that's where we see the huge car crash and the climax of this film. And that's why I think they went all out with the car crash. They're like, hey, we're going to be the first one in 15 years. We're going to make them regret their decision. They almost actually didn't shoot in London. They got the working permits for a couple of the Americans, but they didn't want to cast. They didn't want to give a permit to Jack Goodman. They said, hey, we have other Americans living here in London. Why don't you go ahead and use one of those? And they said, uh, all right, well, we'll go ahead and film in Paris. And they said, no, 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 come back, come back. Come back. <laughs> Which ended up being the sequel. Anyway, yeah, American well. Werewolf in Paris. Now, have you seen the sequel? I have not. I didn't hear good things, so. Yeah, I didn't hear good things either. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not now, that much as... a diehard fan. So I, I don't just mm-hmm. watch. I know you with the Halloween franchise, you were like, hey, I like Michael Myers. I'm going to watch everything. I'm not doing that with werewolves uh, or anything. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. Now, as far as the the werewolf films, it's true that, like, it had its popularity a little bit in classic Hollywood, but then they really were largely out of popularity. They weren't really on the screen until this year, 1981, because there were actually three movies released in 1981 that were werewolf movies, and one of them Rick Baker actually worked on as well, but I believe he left that one. It was The Howling and then went to American Werewolf in London. Yeah, so he, Rick Baker waited eight years. John Landis was trying to get this movie developed for a while, for about a decade. 
So Rick Baker was wait, waiting around for eight years. He's like, I have this werewolf concept. I can't do anything with it because we're still waiting for the movie to get developed. And then he got off. Landis. Hmm? I thought that was Landis, not Baker. That what? Had the werewolf idea? Mm-hmm. Well, no, Rick, Rick Baker had like the design. So Landis created like he had the idea, but Rick Baker is oh, the one that okay. actually created the design and the concept. And he had that like his idea ready to go and put the money into it. But I thought it was Landis that it was the nine-year wait. No. Well, I mean, both of them were kind of waiting. Landis was waiting a decade. Rick Baker was waiting eight years. Okay. Yeah. So, he like, two years passed with him holding on to this. He met Rick Baker, said, hey, I got this project. I want you to help me out with the werewolf. Don't worry. I want to get it developed real soon, eight years later. Uh, so, he takes the job for the howling. Landis actually calls him and is very upset. They actually, they get into it a bit because he's, he's like, man, I finally got the movie and you're off now doing The Howling. So it was a horrible coincidence of timing, but Rick Baker ended up leaving The Howling and went on to do his, his Wolfman for this. Even though really this wasn't too much of his concept, he wanted to do Bipedal, which The Howling ends up doing. But he, he goes ahead, he takes Landis' idea and he creates the... The, the four-legged werewolf, which I think the werewolf in this is more iconic, especially the transformation scene, than the howling. I have seen the howling. Not a fan of it. Mm. What was the other one? I didn't know that there were three. Uh, Wolfman? I think that's how you pronounce it. Like, Wolf-E-N. Wolfman. Mm, I don't even think I've heard of that. Where are some to- how sometimes these movies... Like, you just get a random concept, and you get multiple movies that year. Like, the most famous mm-hmm. one is... uh. Armageddon and Deep Impact. And I think there's another one with uh, like two shark movies in the same year. Uh, I think like the Friends of Benefits and No Strings Attached, they both came out close together too in the rom-com sphere. I'm trying to... I know Friends with Benefits because that was Jason Sudeikis, right? And Alison Brie? No. Which, oh, was that No Strings Attached? No. <laughs> what, God dang, which one was that? I don't know what you're thinking of. Allison Brie in Jason Sudeikis? Yeah. No. No, uh, Friends of Benefits was Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Uh, and No Strings at the Patch was Natalie Portman and Ashton Kusher. Yeah, I saw no, not, uh, neither of those. And the one I'm thinking about is Sleeping with Other People. And I wonder if that came out the same year. I don't know. I've not heard of that one. <laughs> Wait, hold up. Looking at Okay, never mind. That was 2011. Okay, this one came out four years later when it wasn't so trendy. Anyway, back to American Werewolf in London. Caitlin, who would you go ahead and recommend this movie for? The general audience, cinephiles, somewhere in between, some kind of weird niche group about werewolves and porn theaters? Yeah, those. <laughs> no, but I feel like I would recommend it to cinephiles because I feel there's enough in it to kind of learn from the construction because it kind of subverts what you think, I think, in the beginning because it is... I don't want to say slower, but it doesn't jump right into that action. I don't know that the the mainstream horror fans, I don't think I would recommend it to. Because it is very, I don't want to say slow, but it's very quiet for most of the film. And I don't know. I think a lot of horror audiences kind of expect to be, they expect the spectacle. And I don't think that this is that film. I would not recommend this to a general audience because it lacks that spectacle however i would recommend it to horror enthusiasts because i think one the horror genre is small as far as good movies go and even if it comes in a little bit later i think they would still 
they would still appreciate this movie. And everybody that I know that I recommend this movie to that are horror enthusiasts, it really is. Be- Eventually, I recommend this movie to them. It's not the first one, but it is a movie I recommend to them. And also, I think horror enthusiasts, you know, especially if you were interested in werewolves, it's not something you see too much in the in the horror genre. There's not many good ones. This is something that I would recommend to them, of course. Yeah, I think my thing is that if you're of a type that usually watches like slashers, but I would not recommend this. Well, even slashers, like if you're if you're a person that watches slashers, I think you kind of have what's the word not a expectation. Like I think you would still be cool with it. Like I, it depends what kind of slasher. I think the horror fans that would not like this are the ones that are modern day horror fans that are into the constant scares, the constant. Uh, the supernatural or a constant presence but if you're a slasher fan and you're able to watch the slashers from like the 80s and 70s then yeah i think this will still do it for you okay and i think also with the with the comedy in here even though you don't have the the complete horror throughout the complete active horror throughout i think they'll still find this movie enjoyable and fans of frank oz can also come in and watch it for his two minutes of screen time <laughs> which he has the oddest performance in here i don't understand it like david is freaking out and he starts belittling him he's like what is your problem i know i just told you that your friend is dead but you need to calm down sir Jeez, children and their emotions <laughs> i didn't know that was him yeah that was that was him and he's also credited for the voice of piggy in this movie as well if you don't know frank oz he's the creator of the Muppets, and he does the voice for Miss Piggy. The reason he gets credit for Miss Piggy, though, I found out, is because that episode of Muppets didn't air in America, so a lot of people thought that they created that Muppets episode just for this movie. So that's uh, why they had to accredit okay. him for Miss Piggy. Interesting. Yeah. A little biz talk. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and declassify this classified folder with a big old pentagram on it. Oh, okay. Are you sure you want to open that? (laughs) Again, as long as we stick to the roads, we'll be fine. I don't think it's full moon right now. It'd be cool if we released this on a full moon. That'd be dope. That would be dope. Now, we're going to go ahead and get into spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie, go ahead, watch it, come back. If you don't care about spoilers at all, I would say that really there's not too much to spoil in this movie. Uh, But still, go ahead, watch the movie, come back, and continue listening. Now, probably the biggest spoiler in here is that David eventually turns into a werewolf and starts killing people. What did you think about his first killing spree? His first night as the werewolf, the American werewolf in London. I think more memorable to me was him waking up in the zoo. I liked that aspect. And he really just was just woke up naked and wasn't he in a wolf pen too? Yeah, he was in a wolf pen, which, whew, that's a lot to ask of anybody. Need yeah. you to be naked in this wolf pen. <laughs> But that I thought was a good moment because it really just, it added to his confusion. Like he didn't really know what was going on and he kind of had to just find some clothes somewhere and make his way back. And so I, I think that part was more memorable to me. Yeah, that's that part also goes into some really good comedy. Probably the biggest comedic moments in this film, him stealing the balloons and the jacket. Mm-hmm. It, it is interesting with him waking up in the wolf pen during the the filming, I found out that the filming went on a little bit longer than the time that they had for them exclusively for the film. So eventually David asked, like, wait, where did all these extras come from? And they said, oh, yeah, those aren't extras. The zoo actually had to open up. 
So as he's there <laughs> filming naked, there's just all these people passing by like, what the oh heck is this? Which if I was the zookeeper, I'll start, I'll spread a rumor saying this is the feeding event. Yeah, right. That would be great. <laughs> Jurassic yeah, Park that, style. <laughs> that is a, where's the goat? Where's the naked American? <laughs> Yeah, that that is a, a good a good ending moment for it. I, I do like everything that happens um before this scene as well. He really does go into killing spree. They usually in these werewolves movies you would kind of see like I mean he does attack a deer at some point though. You don't know if that's a dream. I guess that isn't a dream because he's he wakes up full the next day. Or no, because that wasn't his first transformation. He he attacked as a human. But usually in these movies we kind of get the build up. Like first they eat a dog like ginger snaps and then they eat one human and then they finally, you know, they, they start going all out And here. He, he has a pretty good, uh, makes himself a pretty good spread. One would say on the first night, mm-hmm. eats a couple, three homeless men. He does not care about class at all. Class structure doesn't, he, <laughs> he literally will eat the rich and the poor. He'll eat everybody. And then a man in the subway. And I think the subway scene is really good, even though it's kind of a, abandoned hospital situation in horror movies like why is this hospital so abandoned why is the mm-hmm. subway so abandoned and you actually get a pretty good glimpse at the werewolf i was surprised by that toward, towards the end i think they do yeah, a good do. job of slowly revealing the uh the wolf but they don't wait till just the end to to finally show the the full creature they, they give you a, a good amount which which is saying something for this film being from the 80s is something that I mean, they, they honestly, they had to hide it because they didn't have the effects, the money, the technology to just have them full out for the whole movie. Yeah, I agree. They did it in increments very well, I think. And as far as the dream where he's attacking the deer, so I thought that is either a dream sequence because there's no way he could have like left that hospital bed and came back and they would have not noticed. Or it was like a flashback to like when he first got bitten or something like that. No, because he got immediately picked up at the scene. Okay, but it had to have been a dream then. I don't know, because he says the next day that he's full. Yeah, how do you get out of his hospital bed? (laughs) Back into the woods, caught a tear, came back into the city, back to the hospital bed. I don't know how they work in London. Maybe back up on his IV and everything. (laughs) Maybe everybody just clears. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe like the whole staff just leaves the hospital at night. And then we eventually get our our ending scene with him going full full out werewolf, full out destroying everything. I, another good comedic moment I find in this is when he's in that theater and he's talking to everybody that he's killed. Of course, he didn't do so consciously. And I, I just like some of them are cool with it, but most of them are like, yeah, man, just you suck for one and you should kill yourself. Like, I hate you. <laughs> and like. Because then, um, because Jack is kind of being sympathetic with him. He's like, no, you don't want to hang yourself because if you don't do it properly, you're going to suffer. And then they'll be like, so what if he suffers? I got killed. <laughs> and then they just start giving him ideas of what he can do. Like, oh, you can take some sleeping pills. Ah, no, that won't do the job. How about put a, uh, put a gun to your head? Put it in your mouth so you don't miss. What about a yeah. grenade? <laughs> now, All while so, this porno is going on in the background. Yeah, that was interesting. So now, did he also inherit the spirits of his i don't know what it's called in werewolf mythology but like in vampire his like his sire i guess would be in vampire terms 
we don't use vampire terms. They're very basic in werewolf. You know, straight to the point. <laughs> Predecessor. Yes, Predecessor. <laughs> yes. What? Oh, um, I thought he would, but they don't. They don't show up at all. See, I thought that some of them. I think I got confused because I thought some of them were from his predecessor. Because I thought there was a line or something that says like it continues until the werewolf line is killed off. Yeah, it it continues until the werewolf lineage is killed off. So I guess he's a new he's a new line because that other one died. So that like I guess if you look at the lineage in segments. Mm. So like Maybe. if the other werewolf was still alive, he would still and he would inherit, but since he's not. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. That's what confused me. Yeah, no, all those yeah, all those people in the theater too were were all his from the previous night. Okay. So turns to the werewolf and then he breaks out. I think he kills like two people, but other than that, twenty people die from just car crashes. People get <laughs> messed up, pinned. Nobody's wearing a seatbelt. I don't even know if seatbelts exist in, in Britain. So they just, <laughs> it's a massacre. And then he runs off and he he sees his, his lady. And she's, you know, doing the whole, hey, look deep inside your wolf heart. It's me that you love. And he doesn't attack her. But I guess that he cleared a path. Like he, because she was in front of him. So there's no way that they would have got a shot. So I guess he did like move himself to go ahead and get shot so that she so that he wouldn't harm her or harm anybody else. So I guess that was like his last moment of of sacrifice and technically was killed by the uh his lover. But I think I'm inferring a lot on that. I don't think it's something yeah. that was too well portrayed on screen. Yeah, I agree. And also just I just didn't care for the romance. And it was very quick I mean, you know, you know how it is in movies with the insta love, and so I just wasn't really feeling that. So I was like, okay, this is how it really is gonna go down. All right. <laughs> Anything else in the spoilers you want to talk about? Like I said, there's not too much to yeah, spoil. Yeah, there really in this. isn't. Um, what did you think about the bar, the slaughter lamb? Yeah, I was gonna say that as well. And um, when the doctor went to visit as well was an interesting part in the story. I mean, they irritated me, especially in the beginning. They were just jerks. <laughs> It was escalated very quickly, but it did in general make me interested in the like mythology and what they had been dealing with as a town up till then. And I kind of, I don't know that I needed more of it, but I would be interested in hearing more about it. Yeah, they do. They're not the most friendliest to visitors or Mm -hmm. tourists, anybody, not even really to each other, though. I'm kind of on the side when it came to Jack asking about the pentagram. It's like, dude, why? You, you just ruined the joke. You ruined like the whole, the whole scene, like the whole atmosphere. You just had to go yeah. and destroy it. Everybody having a good time. You want to, if everybody's having a good time, that's not the time to ask about a pentagram. That's true. There's a time and a place for the <laughs> pentagram. Do you think this movie holds up? I think it's an enjoyable movie, even still today. I think that we've probably had, well, I don't know. I said we probably had better werewolf stuff in the future, but honestly, it it is hard. It is slim pickings. But I think as a film itself, I think that if Fair were trying to make a horror comedy now, I think there's better horror comedies to watch. And I think that they could have done a little bit more with it and a little bit more of the structure if they had a chance to remake it. Yeah, I, I do think that the comedy would have probably been better nowadays. 
I don't think this this uh and in the heart too. I think both would have been better nowadays. But I, th- I think this still it may not be the best of the horror comedies, but I think it still holds up in that regards. Uh the transformation scene definitely still holds out the practical effects. It's still the best werewolf transformation scene that there is. And again, that's mainly mm. due to the practical effects. Uh I don't know. Wh- what are you thinking is better? Hemlock Grove. I think I did watch a werewolf transformation scene in that and I'll have to watch it again to to see to see if I agree there with you. There was something else too, but I remember more recently but I had a good werewolf transformation scene, but I'm not I'm blanking on what it is. I mean, it's a great scene and I think that those owe so much of what they are to this film. But mm-hmm. visually speaking, I I think that I've also seen better. Like it's good, it's good, but at the same time I think with modern technologies we've been able to do better. Yeah, I don't I mean, with them being so dependent on CGI, I watched the transformation scene in The Wolfman, and it just didn't really, to me, it just looked like any other kind of transformation I've seen in CGI, even from even from Marvel. You know, you mm-hmm. just kind of seeing the, the person enlarging and busting out of the clothes. I, I feel like I see that more when this was more about, like, his bones actually enlarging and his face growing. Yeah, no, I feel like I've seen that in other things. Maybe not even with werewolf transformation, but other transformation scenes. I feel like I've seen things that have been pretty well done, even from a modern point of view, without doing that over-reliance on CGI. And I also, I think, like you said, there's it's very slim pickings with werewolves movies. So I think if anybody's interested in a werewolf movie, I mean, definitely I'll personally say this is the werewolf movie to see. And I think, and, and as a werewolf enthusiast, I th- this does it for me. I... I like this portrayal. Could, could a movie have done more? Yeah. But I got my werewolf fix from this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do I like this as much as Ginger Snaps, though? No. <laughs> I think the story is better. But mm-hmm. I just, I enjoy this movie even more. But it is close. It, it definitely okay. is close. And I, I wouldn't be upset if anyone said Ginger Snaps is their favorite werewolf movie. Okay. What uh what letter grade would you go ahead and give this? I'm gonna give this a C plus. I think that if the narrative was a little bit stronger, I would give it a B, um, for the elements because I really did like it and it got some laughs out of me. But I was pretty much I left feeling a little bit indifferent to it, so I don't want to give it a low grade, but I also don't want to give it a high grade. Gotcha. I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a B plus for me, but. If I had to rate it critically, I would say it's a it's a B. Mm-hmm. It's a B. Yeah. Well, actually, no. I would say I would say honestly, for me, I'll probably say like A minus, but critically B and and round it out to B plus. I'll, I'll say this movie is a B plus. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think that it's a bad movie. I think it's a good movie. It's just that I feel like I don't know. At least for me, I think having seen other things, I just felt a little indifferent. A little underwhelmed. So question for you. Do you want more werewolf? Like American like the, werewolf or just werewolf movies? <laughs> just werewolf movies. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay. So we want to go ahead and let you guys know what, what else is brewing in the HQ. And we're going to be going ahead into November. And our next episode is going to be released around the time of Veterans Day. And to... Pick a movie in relation to that. We're going to pick a war movie. Caitlin, you actually, you haven't seen many war movies, have you? Uh, I've seen a handful. They're not my favorite. It's not my favorite genre, which you'll 
come to learn. I've seen I've seen a good amount of war movies. There was a period when I stopped watching them. Uh, and we'll, again, that's something else we'll talk about. So I was thinking about, man, what would be the best war movie to to pick? Something, you know, for, for your enjoyment and the first war movie for our podcast. And decided to go with Saved Private Ryan. And I think for a lot of people, this is both the introduction to war movies and a great way to introduce your sound system. <laughs> so make sure to go ahead and join us for that assignment. And while you're waiting for that assignment to come out, Caitlin, where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Op Silver Screen. On Facebook, we're on Operation Silver Screen, but Twitter and Instagram, it's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letterboxes if you want to see what else we're watching throughout the week and some reviews that maybe we're not talking about on here. So you can find my letterbox at Coffee Spoon Kate. That's Coffee Spoon C-A-I-T. And Brian is going to be at Swank Seal. That's capital S, capital S. Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Brian. And I'm Caitlin. See you.